Welcome to the pod edition of NetNod Insight, where we take an important aspect of the internet and do our best to explain it with the help of a technical expert. I am Rob Allen, Product Marketing Manager at NetNod. I've been working in the tech industry for almost 20 years, which is just long enough to know that as soon as you think you understand something, everything's about to change. And my name is Johanna Eriksson and I work as a marketing manager at NetNode. Worked in the industry for four years now, so just a beginner compared to Rob. Oh, oh, I feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, uh, so today's episode is, is all about time. Uh, before we get started, there's a few acronyms that we just want to introduce so that you know where you are. We're going to be talking about Network Time Protocol, that's uh, NTP, and Network Time Security, that's NTS, and Precision Time Protocol, uh, and that is PTP. And all three of these are part of the time service that NetNod provides. With us today are NetNod's Technical Director and Head of Security, Patrick Feldström. Welcome. Hello. So uh, thanks for being here, Patrick. Um, maybe a simple question to begin. Like, who actually decides what time it is? That is not a simple question. In reality, time is defined by how the Earth is rotating around the sun. And there is an organization at Paris that decides what time it was a month ago. Okay, now you're making me even more confused. (laughs) Well, the thing is that we have multiple players around the planet which have their own clocks. And they all send information about what time their clock was compared to other clocks to Paris. And the people in Paris calculate the average time between all of these clocks and report back the errors. So you don't know until afterwards how, how, how correct your time was. But okay, but what time is it now? Or what was the time when we started this podcast? The only thing you can do is to decide what clock you're going to follow. It can be the wristwatch that you have on your arm, or it could be to follow Swedish time, or, for example, what NetNode is publishing on the internet. As far as I can understand it, what you're saying is that we can only ever really know truly retrospectively with any kind of great degree of accuracy what the time was. Exactly. Something like that. Yes. So... But at the moment, I need to know what the time is. So what is it that's helping me understand right now and keeping us in sync so that we could all be on this call at the same time? Well, you have a clock and the clock consists of something that is ticking and then something mm. that is displaying the time. So you are looking at the display of time and you hope that the ticking is correct. So there is a ticking and a counter. And that's that's what tells you what time it is. Okay, so we have two things here, the, the ticking and the, how, how do you decide, uh, for example, what generates those ticks? Well, in, in a very precise clock, like the ones NetNode has, you have, a, you have a cesium atom that is actually vibrating. But if it is the case that you have a wristwatch, you can have everything from a piece of metal to some other kind of oscillator that is based on electricity, for example. Okay. And when you're saying the cesium atom, I presume that's like the most accurate tick that we have today. Is there anything? There are there are different kinds of, of precision. We we are using uh, cesium uh, in at NetNode, and it's also the case that the length of a second is based on the cesium atom and its vibrations. But on the other hand, there are people that are working on trying to get an even more accurate, uh, uh, precise ticks. 
And, and that depends, for example, on whether you want to have the tick very accurate under short term or if it's longer time periods. We at NetNode are, are focusing on long term stability on the ticks. And then you can have other kind of things like hydrogen based uh, ticking and you can have and people are working on even optical clocks, believe it or not, where you use light to try to decide uh, how things are ticking. As far as I can understand it now, at the moment, like the official definition of a second is based on the oscillation of cesium. Is that? That is correct. Yes. Yes. But what are some of the biggest challenges when you need to be so accurate? Well, the, the biggest challenge is actually that the different clocks have different type ticking <laughs> and that clocks are in a certain distance between each other. Because as we all know, the speed of light is finite and and the um, and 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 it takes some time for light to go from one clock to another one. So if it is the case that you want to have the two clocks being more precise and less error between the clocks than the time it takes for the light to go between the clocks, that's when you start and end up having real problems. So presumably there's some sort of offset required, or how do you how do you how do you beat the speed of light there? <laughs> Well, that's of course the secret sauce of what we are doing at NetNode because the error between our two hour clocks, for example, in Stockholm and Malmö, it's much smaller than the, the time it takes for light to go from Stockholm to Malmö. So, so one of the things that we are doing is that normally you use a third point of reference. In our, in our situation at the moment, we are using a satellite uh, that goes around the, the planet, around the Earth. And by knowing where the satellite is and where our clocks are, we can do a phase calculation, which is called common view, where we can do a very precise measurement of the phase errors between the clocks. But there are other ways of doing that as well. For example, we are experimenting just like others to move a, a, a light signal in both directions in a fiber between the two locations. And by measuring the time between those two, you can also do very precise phase error, error coordination. Well, what, what level of accuracy are we talking about, actually? I don't think we've really mentioned that. When we're looking at super accurate time, like how, how accurate is that? Uh, I, I think the net node clocks, we are, we are within 10 nanoseconds. And a nanosecond is, of course, a very, very, very short uh, amount of time. Um, this, the, uh, uh, the speed of light is such that the light pulse is moving 30 centimeters per nanosecond. So 10 nanoseconds oh, wow. is a speed of light three meters. So, so we we are so, and that is the that is the accuracy that we are trying to keep here at Netnode. That even though there are six hundred kilometers between Stockholm and Malmö, we have a phase error which is still less than what it takes the speed or with less than what it takes light to go three meters. Okay, wow. that's that's accurate. But what can go wrong if time systems are not working correctly then? Well, all different kind of things. For example, uh, I was late to this call not because my clock was wrong, but because I had something else to do. <laughs> but it could, but it could have been the case that my clock was five minutes off compared to your clock, Johanna. Okay. And that way, it could have been the case that we, of course, have missed this meeting. Okay, then I know what I'm blaming on this in the future. You can always blame me, Johanna. <laughs> that's good to know. So how can we be sure that our different clocks are synchronized? 
Well, most people that are dealing with time, including yourself to some degree, you only want to know approximately what the error is on your clock. And if it is the case that you are meeting with friends or taking the bus, it's probably enough that your clock is about a minute plus minus. So what you normally, what you probably do now and then is that you check that your clock is approximately correct. But if it is the case that you had do bank financial transactions or do other kind of measurements, it might be the case that it's even more important that you know what error your clock is. Another kind of error that is really important is that you have, if you have multiple clocks, for example, if you have two computers, which both of them create log files with events of what's happening on these two computers, it might be the case that it's very important for you to know in what order those events happened. So if they are timestamped independently of each other on each one of the two computers, it's important for you to know that the time of the two clocks of the two computers are not too much off, if you understand what I mean. Because if it is the case that the error of the clock is longer than the average time between two events, it might be the case that when you are when you are sorting the events later on, that you will sort them in the wrong order. So we say that this action is on the stock market, market and this is financial transactions. Is that one of actual how it works in the real life? Or how to say? It could be. It could be anything where you have. Uh, it, it could also be, for example, surveillance cameras in in, in a store, or it could be kind of like credit card uh, units in a shop, where you want for want for example the timestamp on the credit card slip to be the same as the timestamp in the cashier machine. So it's whenever you have timestamps that are related timestamps generated on two different things which are linked to two different clocks where in reality you want to be able to relate the two events to each other. So as soon as you have multiple clocks which relate to the same series of events that's when you need to keep track of the error between the two clocks. And, and presumably there are sort of regulatory issues involved here in certain industries that specify that these timestamps have to be to a certain level of or certain degree of accuracy. Yeah, I. What has happened the last couple of years is that there is specifically legislation in Sweden, which requires you who do certain kind of timestamps, for example, logging of uh, events in telecommunication like your phone bill and other one other kind of things, that at least you know you're aware of the error. So that if it is the case that you hand in the log files somewhere to the court, to the police or whatever, that you together with the timestamps can produce a separate list over what the approximate error is. So that it's possible to do an adjustment of the calculations of the of the timestamps themselves. So it's not it's a little bit more complicated than say than saying that the clock must be correct. It's more that there are requirements that you need to know the the error of your clock. Mm. And presumably this is very specialized. Not many people are able to, to provide this to a very high level degree of accuracy and, and, and to have that um, reporting feature, I suppose. That, that is correct. But that's also one of the reasons why Sweden, since around 2003, have been looking to, on how to, how to help the society to have more precise time 
without forcing the society to have this skill set, if you understand what I mean. So the whole idea is that clocks on in the society should become more precise without really people being aware of it. So 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 what the government and and the regulator uh, PTS and and also what we have net, at Netnode I've been trying to do together is to build a foundation where clocks automatically just happen to be more precise. Mm. This is really interesting. So it's it's not just because the technology has evolved to make this possible, but there's been a sort of awareness at a sort of social level that there is a need for this, and that's driven the the development of the technology. Would that be right? To... Yeah, yeah, that that's correct because because. It's so just like you say, Johanna, you have your watch and you, you just take for granted that your watch or your cell phone display the correct time. And you should not have to know about time. And really, really, it's really, really fun that you come here and ask me all of these questions. <laughs> but in reality, it's just because you're curious, right? You, yeah. you, should, you should not have to know. Uh, so, the, so the whole idea here is that we who actually are a little bit geeky and, and, and think about time, <laughs> We should just ensure that the time that is displayed on your phone and on your wrist is is actually correct. And then so it's up to us to be in time. <laughs> exactly. Or just blame you. Yes, you still have two choices. And I yeah. already promised you that you can blame me. That is correct. <laughs> but okay, but where you talked a bit about PTS and Netnode, but we're, what part do Netnode have in all this? Well, we have this organization, RISE, uh, that is responsible for the actual Swedish time. I I started by talking about how you know what error you, your clock was a month ago. That portion is what RISE is doing together with collaboration with Paris. So RISE keeps track of what Swedish time is. Uh, and that's it. But we are the ones that distribute Swedish time. And then PTS is the one that ensures that we and Risa uh, are doing the right thing. So we have three players that are synchronizing with each other, Risa, PTS and Netnode. We, um, we, we talked a little bit about sort of um, making sure the log files were correct and sort of, I guess for sort of forensic activities and also um, financial transactions. But I'm wondering if there are any other kind of industries where super accurate traceable time is really important. And are there any examples of when it hasn't gone well and there have been kind of consequences? Um, financial transactions is, of course, something that people are talking about all the time. Surveillance forensics, that is something one of the one of the triggers was the was the uh, the un the unfortunate uh, uh, murder of the Swedish foreign minister Anna Lind. There have also been. Let's see if I remember. I don't remember from the top of my head. No. But but with that last example, was was there a problem that the surveillance footage wasn't? Could you just go into that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem here was that um, when you had this department store where she was killed and uh, when they looked at the surveillance cameras uh, the the tire and and other other things to which you could collect forensics from the clocks were not synchronized between them which means that when when they in the forensics when they saw some trace of something that happened like the like people moving around in the uh, in the in the department store 
it was very difficult to correlate these forensics with each other to know exactly in what order things happened, which meant yeah. that it was difficult to understand how people had moved around in the department house, which of course is a very important thing when you do forensics huh. and, 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 and people following each other and running after each other. For, that's one of the most important things. So it took quite quite a long time for for the police to actually put all the pieces in the puzzle in the correct order to know exactly in what order things happened. One of the things that helped was actually that the credit card terminals already in that those days were linked to each other. Huh. So by looking at the by looking at the credit card slip and and what time it was uh, and then correlate that with the cashier machine and then you looked at the video camera that that actually were photographing when people did the credit card transaction that way you could correct the the timestamp of the of the surveillance camera by correlating that with uh, uh, with the uh, with the credit card transaction, just like when you do, uh, just like we can we can tell the users that one of the fun thing is that when we started to record this podcast, we try to clap to do a synchro because we are in three different locations. We try to do a clap at the, at the <laughs> same time, and that is not easy when you have the audio delay over the internet. So exactly the same thing there that you, you had sort of the credit card terminals at the common clap between all the surveillance cameras as far as i understand at least it's it's a story that i think might be correct but that that's a story that i've been told that makes it um more understandable when you hear it in that more real life story even if it's a horrible story I said, it's also like Patrick was saying, like, you just kind of expect these things. In my mind, surveillance cameras, you know, time-wise should be infallible. You don't really ever think about the fact yeah. that, you know, you're going to have to start cross-checking them with credit card terminals and, and cashier receipts. Um, and traffic cameras, I suppose. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, 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 and of course, nowadays... As Nowadays, most things, including cameras and even tiny things like our wristwatches, are actually small computers. And and everything that have internet access or even indirect internet access with Bluetooth and, and whatnot, all of them are using NTP, which talk to some kind of time server, hopefully the NetNode NTP server. But nowadays, we, we don't have the same kind of problem as, as, as then. I mean, we talk about things that happened many years ago and, um, and, and the situation that we had in those days to synchronize time is, is not really what we have today. Uh, we, we, sh we need to understand that. But then it must be easy to mess with the time or evil person comes in and want to mess up, I don't know, financial uh, actions or, I don't know, cameras. It must can be... People, can people hack time? Is that, is that what we're thinking? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there are multiple ways you can... Not giving people any ideas here, but... No. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to do, Johanna, and then you will blame me. <laughs> But the it is part. The serious part is that it is possible to to hack time. You can uh, you can, for example, uh, put up your own radio transceiver and fool everyone that receives GPS signals from the satellites from the global positioning system that they are receiving. They believe that they receive signals from the satellites, but in reality, they re receive signals from your your um, transmitter instead and that way you can fool people on what time it is and because of that where they are so it's actually kind of an interesting lie 
The other thing that can happen is for this NTP protocol, because it's a UDP-based protocol which is insecure of the internet, is that you can send fake NTP packets and hope that someone is uh, digesting them and also being fooled over what time is. So there. So whenever. So whatever signal your clock is receiving to to calculate its accuracy or to discipline itself, as as one say, whatever that signal is, it must be secure. Otherwise, you can be spoofed. But how should people or companies do then to make sure they have accurate and safe time, or to say? Well, if it is the case that they use uh, satellites. In that case, you can, of course, look at multiple satellites, but the best way is to use multiple clocks. Um, you look at both the satellite time and you use the net node time and you use some other kind of thing because then a criminal or antagonist need to spoof all of them. Uh, at least if, if it is the case that you detect that all the clocks you're looking at, if they start to diverge or one start to become really off, then at least you need you know that something fish is going on, so you will try to understand which one of the clocks are correct. Um, one of the things that we have been doing for Netnode lately is that we have been trying to secure the uh, NTP protocol of the internet so that we send signed NTP packets back to the client, and that is called NTS. It's a protocol we developed in the ITF, and that way we put a digital signature on the response from the time server so that you can validate that the, the time information is actually coming from Netnode and no one else. Mm. Like the, the green padlock that you see when you're doing a secure HTTPS. Yeah, the green padlock is actually very, very similar. And uh, it's a very good, good point to refer to that because the secure time NTS, it's actually built upon TLS, just like the padlock on the World Wide Web. So it's built upon TLS 1.3, just like the web, secure web. And because we know that that security works on the web, it was very easy to also trust when we're adding the same security on, on NTP. So it's actually exactly the same kind of security. So yes, the padlock. Mm. So how would you see looking forward? Uh, how, 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 do you, how do you see the future of time? <laughs> well, there are a couple of things that people, of course, are discussing. The first thing is that people are really, really annoyed to switch to and from daylight savings. But that is something that not really have to do with time, because we who deal with time, we don't care about time zones. We don't care about daylight savings. But of course, that is something that a lot of humans are actually very, very annoyed over that we do. So one discussion is whether we should do continue to do daylight savings. But the other thing that is actually interesting is that Johanna, you mentioned that the how what how long is a second and it's defined on um, on on cesium atoms. One thing that that is discussed at the moment is whether we should define seconds based on something else, and 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 that oh. yes exactly. So we have have a new definition of second because. A cesium is not precise enough, believe it or not. It, it's, it sounds really weird, even for me. But, but that is something that is discussed. And the third thing that is discussed is that just because the Earth rotation around the sun and around its own axis is not, it's not homogeneous, it actually wobbles a little bit. So now and then we need to add seconds and remove seconds. And that is, that is, that is called, and, and that is called uh, leap seconds that are added or were removed. And one of the things that are discussed is whether we should continue to add and remove leap seconds. 
So there are multi, there are at least those three different things which are discussed, which is kind of interesting. So we'll see what happens. Okay, the last one sounds like we can get some extra time and oh yes, when, now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we're adding leap seconds, you can sleep in a second in the morning, and that's something that I like oh. at least exactly a whole <laughs> yeah. second. Yes. <laughs> you you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, please Monday morning. That would be the Monday morning. That would be the best time. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for being so curious, Johanna. And I think I hope that you understand a little bit more how your watch can be, and and cell phone how they can be more more correct. And but but hopefully, uh, you should not have to care so much about it. You should just trust whatever clock you're using and and just using it. Yeah, it's time is much more complex than I ever thought uh, or could imagine. It's much more to think about and seconds here and now and what is a second and uh, yeah uh, we'll probably dream about time and clocks tonight after this talk <laughs> but today you will not get an extra leap second so you 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 you, you don't you're not allowed to sleep in tomorrow <laughs> or i just blamed you that's fine <laughs> So I guess all all that remains is for us to say thank you very much, Patrick, uh, for your time. <laughs> yeah, <I'll finish. laughs> thank, thanks, Rob, and thanks, Johanna. So a uh, big thanks to Patrick Falstrom uh, for a great interview there. If you want to find out more about time and the different services to keep you in sync, check out the Netnod website at www.netnod.se. Now we hope you have enjoyed listening to us. Please let us know if you have any questions or topics you would like to learn about in future Netnod Insights. You can reach us at info at netnod.se.